those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this 15th Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for today. You heard it read from Luke chapter 14. I recall just these words. Those who honor themselves will be humbled, but people who humble themselves will be honored. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who humbled himself for us all the way to the cross, my beloved. Uh, if you ever have the chance to go to Miller Park, you know, and see a ball game, uh, after you uh, walk your way through the turnstiles, uh, where do you go and sit? Do you immediately head uh, up to the air-conditioned suites, you know, with the food that's all catered in? Or uh, do you usually go to the $7 seats that you got on discount way up in the fourth level? When you go to a concert, where do you sit? In prime orchestra or up in the nosebleed section? Uh, when you have to fly and you get on the plane, where do you go first? First class or maybe uh, somewhere in the middle or maybe way in the backpack, you know, where it sounds and the uh, smells aren't always so pleasant? Where you sit and where you want to sit says something about you. Way back in the days of monarchies, you know, when uh, there was a king and a queen, they would have a throne room, and they would sit on the thrones way above everybody else. They would sit there above everybody else. Most of the people that came in didn't have any place to sit at all. They would just bow down. Believe it or not, I don't know if you believe this story, but I took a, a trip out east years and years ago and saw some of those uh, colonial churches, the ones, the old ones, you know, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington went to Believe it or not, way back then, they had pew dues. You paid to sit in the... And the people with the most money, they got the pews up front. And, and there was even a little gate that locked everybody else out. When they weren't there, you couldn't sit there. And it usually had a plaque on it with your name. So the rich people all sat up front, you know, the poor people. I always wondered, you know... Um, how did the people feel when the, the ones with those reserved pews up front came walking in? And I wonder how the rich people who had those pews reserved for them, how they felt. Hey, we bought it, we earned it, we deserve it, it's ours. You ever, um, by chance go to a sporting event, concert or whatever, and you accidentally sit in the wrong spot in the seat. And it's a better seat than what you paid for. And the usher has to come along and say, sorry, you're going to have to get out. You've got to sit back there. It's kind of embarrassing. Jesus was at the home and having a nice meal with some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the church of his day. And he used a little illustration as he was uh, sitting there eating with them. He said, you know, I noticed that you guys, when you go to family celebrations, meals, uh, wedding receptions, you always head for the reserve spots and even the head table. 
You better be careful because you could be wrong. What happens if the, uh, the host has to come to you and say, oh, reserve for somebody else. You have to go down there to the lowest seats. You're going to be embarrassed. Why don't you, when you come in, take the seats in the back, and then if some of those spots are reserved for you, the host will say, come on up, sit up here, and then you will be honored. And so Jesus, through this illustration that he gives us this morning, gives us a lesson in humility. Humility is the opposite of pride or conceit. The essence of true humility is really and accurately comparing yourself with somebody else. True humility rests not in a desire for recognition, but in a desire for humble service, Jesus says. The opposite of humility is the sin of pride or conceit. And if you think that the pride of conceit does not exist among the followers of Jesus, wrong. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her two sons. She bowed down in front of him to ask him a favor. What do you want, he asked her. She said, promise that one of my sons will sit at your right and the other at your left. I want one to be vice president and the other secretary of state. When the other ten apostles heard about this, they were irritated with the two brothers. What were you arguing about on the road? They were silent on the road. They had argued about who was the greatest. Then a quarrel broke out among the disciples. They argued about who should be considered the greatest. I want a better position than you. Oh, the sin of pride and conceit shows itself in all of our biases and prejudices whenever we consider ourselves to be better than somebody else. And isn't it true that we rank ourselves with others in all sorts of different ways? Gender and race and skin color and culture and hygiene and clothing and neighborhoods and education. And the list goes on. Now, be there no mistake about it, there are differences between people. People are different. To say that uh, that's not true would be to deny reality. Jesus once said, the poor you will always have with you. Just think of that. No matter what you do, no matter how many welfare programs come, you're always going to have the poor, and the poor are going to be different from the rich, and the middle class are going to be different from the poor. But before elevating yourselves above someone else as superior or better, you better sit down and ask yourself how you got to be where you are, who you are. I mean, none of us planned our birth. You didn't plan who your parents were going to be. You didn't plan the place that you were going to be born. You didn't plan the school that you were going to be going to. You didn't plan the house that you would live in. And you certainly did not plan the special talents that God gave to you, those special gifts. So everything that you really have and everything that you are is a gift from God. And believe it, in my ministry, I've seen a whole lot of people who had very few talents or gifts that God gave them, but they used them to the max and they accomplished great things. 
And I've also seen people who had many, many gifts and they didn't use them at all and they accomplished very little. Before ever judging yourself better than somebody else, remember that that person truly in life may have a different status. There's somebody around you that has less money than you do, that doesn't have as nice a car as you do, that doesn't have as nice a house as you do. There are a lot of people that are in different ranks and different status in life. But in God's eye, we all have the same value and worth. All people on this planet are blood-bought souls of Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He came to rescue all. That's why St. Paul says in God's eyes, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. They're all of the same value, priceless in God's eyes. Now, as I mentioned early in this service, and maybe uh, a sermon, maybe you wonder what I've been talking about. If you really want to compare yourself to somebody, according to rank, why not compare yourself to Jesus Christ? St. Paul says in Philippians, don't be conceited, don't be concerned only about your own interests, but also be concerned about the interests of others. Have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Certainly was a different status and rank when he stood before Pontius Pilate, the governor. Different status and rank when he stood before Herod, the king. Different of status and rank when the soldiers nailed him to a cross. Different status and rank when he spoke to the high priests. But to rescue people who practiced the sins of conceit and pride and prejudice and envy... God became a kid in a crib, a criminal on a cross, and a corpse in a crypt. For you and me, Jesus left the best seat in heaven. And he came down and he was not only humble, he was humiliated. The God of God and King of Kings, born in a barn, didn't have his own grave where he could be laid, falsely convicted, convicted of crimes he didn't commit, to give his life a ransom for many. In true humility, compare yourself with the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. To pursue true humility, compare yourself with others. And when you do so, all those people that you come in contact with today and tomorrow and for the rest of the week, remember that they're all blood-bought souls of Jesus Christ. They may not all know it, but they are. And therefore, they're of the same value and priceless treasure in God's eyes as you are. Remember the perfect humility of Jesus Christ. Remember our imperfect humility and then recognize that God credits us with his perfect humility so that he, we look holy in his eyes. St. Luke goes on in the story and he also tells us, when you invite people for lunch or dinner, don't invite only your friends, family, or relatives or rich neighbors, otherwise they'll return the favor. 
Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the handicapped, the lame, the blind. They won't be able to repay you. Humility is also evidenced in humble service to others. Serve others who are in need, who can't pay you back. Examples of humble service. Try being a parent with a newborn at 2 a.m. in the morning and you have to get up and change the diapers and there's no way they're going to pay you back or thank you. Try being the son or daughter of elderly parents with Alzheimer's in the nursing home. And when you come and visit them, they don't even know who you are and you hold their hand and they can't repay you or even thank you. Try being a member of the sandwich generation where you both have elderly parents on one side and kids to take care of on the other. (coughs) Last week, and I'm sure this week and for quite a few weeks to come, you're going to see some more example of humble service of people on their own dime and their own time taking the trek down to Baton Rouge to help people clean up their wrecked lives. We got a lady in our neighborhood, never ceases to amaze me. I see her out there probably every other day when I'm on the way to work, maybe home. She has taken it upon herself a radius of about a two-block area around our neighborhood to uh, clean up the place. She regularly shovels the snow away from the fire hydrants in winter. And she regularly rakes all the leaves away from the sewer after a heavy rain. And she picks up all the garbage... And she doesn't get paid for it. And I don't think there's hardly any people who ever say thank you. What humble acts of service do you have penciled in on your calendar for this coming week? What seats do you sit in? On an airplane? Concert? The ball game? Jesus tells us here on earth, and while we're here on earth, it's time to get out of our seats and to serve others. And those others that we serve may be completely different from us. Doesn't make any difference. Have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Although he was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of this equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, by having a human appearance. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus tells his disciples, You know that the rulers of nations have absolute power over people and their officials have absolute authority over people, but that's not the way it's going to be with you. Whoever wants to become great will become your servant. Whoever wants to become most important will be like becoming your slave. Jesus said to them, Matthew 19, I can guarantee this truth. When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne in the world to come, you, my followers, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who gave up homes, brothers or sisters, father, mother, children, or fields because of my name 
will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. However, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. We await that grand and glorious day when our Savior returns, when he says, come up here, sit here, and this seat is not for sale. It's only by divine invitation. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We take this time now to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.